listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. Bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby. Sharing ideas to make the game better. G'day coaches, my online course Evolve Rugby is out. This course is based on the reoccurring lessons and themes that have come up in over 100 interviews of running this podcast. The online course contains video modules, worksheets and a reflective journal and it's just what every coach needs for pre-season planning, mid-season review or post-season reflection. Check out Evolve Rugby via the link in the show notes and use the promo code TRCCP10 to get your 10% discount. Now, on with the show. Welcome to episode 114 of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and joining me today are Kyla Colbin and Shane Fletcher. Kyla is the founder and CEO of Balma, an organization that supports leaders and change makers to be more intentional, intelligent, and courageous about the future. Shane Fletcher has been the team manager at Crusaders Rugby since 2017 and is also a World Rugby Level 4 coach. I connected with both of them recently on the Crusaders Coaching Leadership Program and it's a pleasure to have them both on the show. So welcome, Kyla and Shane. Good, Andy. Good to be here. How are we doing? How's uh, sunny New Zealand? Is it sunny? It is. It's gorgeous. We've actually had a bit of a second summer A-flat. It's been fantastic. We arrived back from Fiji uh, and into almost uh, far more comfortable 24 degrees. It was beautiful. Oh, that's nice. Did you, uh, Fletch, did you see uh, the beach or any surf in Fiji? It's been one of my dreams to go surfing in Fiji. Uh, From the aircraft was about it. We were based at the hotel and, of course, the focus is on uh, keeping energy in the bed. So, yeah, everybody was asked not to even go poolside for too long, so... (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a holiday, Demo. No, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> cool. All right, let's get into it. This is uh this is actually the first time I've had two guests on the the podcast at once. So uh pretty excited to to use this format. And um let let's start with you, Kyla. Um what, what was a bit of your background growing up around uh, around sport and physical activity and those kind of things? Yeah, look, I've always been someone who gets into things deep, 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 does them for a while, and then I kind of find a new thing. So mm-hmm. Uh, I I was really into gymnastics for a while when I was a little kid. Um, I then I got right into dance. Mm-hmm. I had a dance studio um, a few blocks from my house. I grew up in New York City in Manhattan, so there was a, a dance studio a few blocks from my house that I'd go three hours a day and just do all the different dance classes. Um, and then I got into uh, once I graduated uni, I did a little bit of horseback riding. I did some ice skating, and then graduated uni, and then I got into martial arts. And I went oh, hardcore into martial arts for years and years. And I actually became a, a quite competitive boxer. I was ranked second in the U.S. and uh, in my division. Um, so got really hardcore into that. And then I um, I actually had a seizure. So uh, the 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 um, general consensus was that it was unrelated to boxing, but that repeated blows to the head, probably not a great idea going forward. Yeah. So I gave up on the boxing. Um, and, uh, and, but one thing I will say, given this, the rugby coaches quarter podcast is that I've never been much for team sports. I played <laughs> I one season of yeah. lacrosse All right. when I was at high That's school. Fun. I played one season 
We had a perfect zero season. We lost every single game. I was put onto the field once in the entire season. I got Poor put coaching. on, I got, I, I got, they, they played me. I fouled in about 30 seconds and got taken straight off the field. That was my entire experience. So not much for the team sports, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, if you, if you stuck around in lacrosse, I've found lacrosse players turn into really, really good rugby players. Um, oh, there you go. Coaching in North America. We, a lot of lacrosse players will cross over. Um, and it's, uh, it's kind of basketball with contact and the spatial awareness and the vision and decision-making is, uh, is all in there. So um, had it been another for another life. season of lacrosse, who knows? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> cool. And what about you, Fletch? You were born and bred in New Zealand, probably had a, a, a different upbringing in terms of sport and physical activity. Yeah, a small town country kid, yeah. um, and I think that's reasonably atypical of, of uh, you know, almost a generation back then. You know, there were a lot more people living and working uh, in the rural areas. So, yeah. you know, I came from a family that uh, passionate about rugby. I, my early memories were, you know, jumping in the van in Kaikoura and and doing an hour and a half on a Saturday morning you know, up in the frost and and playing with your mates. Mm. And I think that was uh, what what sparked my love of actual, actual team sports. A little bit different uh, to Kyla because of the fact that I only really got into dancing when I got to the nightclubs at Teachers College, but uh, <laughs> it was a little bit different in that. Yeah. But it was, it was a, I think, the small town element to it meant that you participated in any sport uh, with, your, with your group of friends. And so it was a real... You talk about the crossover of lacrosse into into rugby, but it was the crossover everything into team, mm. and uh, you know that's what I my my best memories weren't necessarily of the sporting moments; it was of the the social moments within sport. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, my my history has been playing anything and everything, um, reasonably reasonably highly competitive, um, and now it's uh, certainly enjoying enjoying a bit of golf, but still enjoying the the opportunities mm. to get out and participating in in rugby if I can and and uh you know crickets and touch and all of those fun things that uh, can fill in an evening yeah and um, I, I think that can be sometimes lost with coaches that that the technical tactical outside of that is often the most important like the kids won't actually say oh I learned this new pass or we learn a new move or something like that the big moments will be the friendships and the mateship and the you know the the adventures that they go on Oh, and again, I, I know we'll dig into this a little bit later, mm. but uh, the fascination of the role I've got now is still watching all of those authentic components of, of mm. what I enjoyed as, as that little sort of four-year-old uh, when you all buzzed around the ball and and really probably ate your mouth guard while you were chewing uh, you know chewing the fat with your friend rather than being involved in the game. I, mm. That's still really prevalent now and such yeah. an important component. 100%. Okay, back to back to Kyla. Um, your your company's got a really uh, exciting relationship now with uh, Crusaders Rugby, and you know, with some great initiatives. Uh, one I mentioned in the intro, the the coaching leadership program. Um, can you talk a little bit about what what was the initial draw for you uh, to partner with them, and and how's that uh, uh, that journey been for you so far? Yeah. Oh my gosh, what a great question! I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so, so I'll tell you the, the, the backstory, I always knew the Crusaders were a highly regarded brand, but to be totally honest and at the risk of alienating your entire audience right now, I, I haven't followed rugby that closely. I didn't mm. know that much about them as a team or as a franchise. Um, and so the first thing that happened was we got the opportunity to partner with them, 
um, for the Crusaders to participate, for some of the folks from not just the team, but the organization to participate in some of our executive leadership programs. Um, and so that was a, a the, the initiation of what would otherwise have been a pretty straightforward partnership like we might have had with any other organization. Mm. Um, and then what happened was uh, Alex Lemon, who I think is title, is he GM commercial, Fletch? Um, he's GM commercial at Crusaders. He he came in and, and he sat down with me and he he gave me the generosity of walking me through the Crusaders backstory, which I didn't know. And I think even mm-hmm. a lot of Crusaders fans don't really know this backstory. And I tell you what, I was riveted. The backstory of the Crusaders is the plot line of every feel-good sports movie you've ever seen, mm-hmm. right? So Super Rugby starts in 1996. The Crusaders are a disaster. Sorry, Fletch. Bottom of the table, lose every right. game except for two. They're like, do we even come back next year? This is so bad. They bring in, they're like, we got to change something up. They bring in a new coach, Wayne Smith, Smithy. All your listeners, I'm sure, will know Smithy. Smithy comes in, he says, we got to change things up and we can't just focus on bigger, stronger, faster players. Every team has big, strong, fast players. We're going to focus on culture and specifically belonging. They go all in on belonging, hard out. They build systems, they build rituals, they build their language around it. They change their strap line to for each other. They build the fist pumps, the everything that they do, focusing on that feeling that you and Fletch were just talking about a moment Mm -hmm. ago of like, how do I know this is the place for me? Year two, they come in sixth. Year three, they win their first championship. Never look back more um, uh, championships than any other super rugby team by miles, more Mm -hmm. all blacks, more all black captains, more all black coaches. And so he's telling me the story and I was going, oh my God, this is an incredible story. And what I ultimately learned was that the work that the Crusaders do to be so successful is 100% consistent with all of the work that we do at BOMA Mm. to support executives and senior leaders in terms of how to show up and lead their teams. And so we joined together to create this Crusaders coaching leadership program, which started for rugby coaches. We've had 242 coaches from 24 countries through the program, including yourself uh, as of now. And, you know, 100% would recommend, 100% said the experience would positively impact their coaching. 97% said they learned new skills skills and concepts. So it's really going super well. And, but now we're opening it up to beyond rugby coaches because what mm. we found is that these are principles that apply to anyone who has to lead teams to succeed and to to thrive and drive at the highest level. These are the fundamental principles that need to apply. So I'll tell you what it is. It is such a delight and a joy for me to partner with Crusaders. And the thing that's so delightful and joyful about it is that I have no internal friction whatsoever that everything we're bringing to the world is so consistent with everything I believe in and bring to the world through the rest of the work that BOMA does. So yeah, I could talk about that for a long time because I feel very passionate about it. Yeah, well, it it sounds, well, you said it earlier, your values were aligned and a lot of people listening might say, well, yeah, that would happen all the time. But I, I would I would hazard a guess that that wouldn't happen all the time, that a lot of sporting teams and businesses, uh, their their values are, are not aligned and it would be rarer to see a relationship like this and, and uh, more common. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think ev- I firmly believe everyone on earth is doing the best they can. I I, mm. I I have a lot of love towards people generally. And I, my favorite definition of human is that we're all just imperfect meat sacks stumbling through life. And so, you know, we, we stumble, we get it wrong. We do our best. Right. Mm. What, so, so it's not uncommon for organizations to have values that that happens all the time. What is rare is for an organization to have operationalized it so thoroughly. 
in the way mm-hmm. that the Crusaders have to be so committed to it and live into the values mm-hmm. so strongly every single day, the way the Crusaders have, that's the real rarity. Yeah. And just Mike, listening. Can I, yeah, jump can in, I offer Fletch. a little bit of comment on that because of the fact that I love that narrative and, and, my take on it is we do all have values individually and collectively. And uh, the, probably the, that that um, narrative, that involvement from year one, when uh, it was all there, it was just the understanding of what was there. Uh, Smithy came in and actually he made the connections. He made, rather than focusing on the rugby, which wasn't going well, he focused on the people. And once he got the mm-hmm. people connected uh, and started to embed that true care, they understood what they were trying to achieve. So I think we're, as a collective, we get lost in our groups is the fact that we will start to tell them how to achieve or we will start to um, basically visually show them how to achieve, but actually we don't empower them to achieve. So it's mm-hmm. almost that that looks like, sounds like, feels like. You know, we all profess and have signs and, and you know, we've got a lot of words around. So you can see the visuals and we all talk about care or we talk about performance or we talk about um, belonging. But unless you actually feel cared for, feel trusted or feel respected, mm. you'll never be at your best. Yeah. And I think uh, that's, you know, what I'm loving about the relationship with Kyla and her team is there's authenticity in, in that. So there's a real feeling. So you you actually truly feel you want to contribute. And that's, uh, I think, the the secret ingredient that we have. But it's not secret. <laughs> yeah. But uh, as, as you say, Kyler, it's what we do each and every day. And and suddenly it's becoming our normal. And, yeah. uh, man, that's a great place to be because of the fact that if you build on your normal, then you can achieve great things. So I've got to say, Flash, you don't talk like many team managers. I think your title needs to be changed. That's um, <laughs> clearly you've got a very broad-ranging role. Um, and I think team manager uh would be a very very you know a small part of the 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 role that you do what can you give us a bit of a description of what what your week looks like what what kind of you know your season look like and how much of a cog in the in the machinery uh are you yeah again it's a funny one isn't it because you you know define what is a team manager and mm. and sometimes we let that um bias of title um, limit our understanding of contribution, and I, I, I would like to think that I'm just one of of many that uh, hopefully selflessly contribute. Mm. And um, uh, you know, it's we we have each week is different. Uh, you know, each day is different. But for us, what we really focus on is understanding that each moment is different. Mm. And I think where we tick away, and and probably my role is the fact that uh, I've got a real pastoral. Um, component to the role rather than a, in a functional um, role of of logistics. So as much as as uh, you, you define a program of well being, um, if there's not that sort of sense of of awareness and sense of care, then well being you know is limited. It's still there, but mm. it's just in a, in a deficient form. So I guess my role really is around uh, I, my history was uh, in education, so uh, being a school principal and. Um, it's a very similar role to that in the fact mm. that you've got to to look back, not be at the forefront, um, because if you get at the forefront, it becomes about you. So it's about just standing back and making sure everybody's okay. And that's right from your youngest learner, which is, you know, our, our at the moment, we've got replacement players who come in. And, and uh, yesterday we had a player came in, first time in our environment, um, you know, evolving in his position. 
And man, he walks into this this group of, of 45 players who there's the splashing of all blacks. And, mm. you know, you've got Sammy Whitelock there who's, who's played, uh, you know, 143 tests, 176 games for us. And, and this young man sits in the room. So my, I guess, uh, a responsibility that I've got, but it's a collaborative and collective responsibility is to ensure that when he comes in, he feels empowered to be his best, as we said. So, you know, how, how you do that, there's no specific, um, forum that we we pass through. It's more about the fact that actually understand this person as an individual because they need to feel received into the environment to be their best. So it's setting up elements like that around our people, um, around our program and our function. Um, and then, you know, that varies, as I say, across the time frame. So, you know, I'm I'm uh, work away really around uh, all of the 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 travel, the food, the the well being, the, the overseeing, the sort of connection with people outside um, the group, and all the different elements of connection that we have. You know, the the people at the airport. There's you know somebody at Melbourne Airport last year. We had a flight cancelled in Canberra, and it was a bit of a disaster. But when I rang the Air New Zealand person at Melbourne, she said, "Oh, I remember you. You're that. Oh, you yeah, guys are so great. good to work with. That's important. Let's let's work at a solution." And all yeah. of a sudden. You know, Air New Zealand puts on a big plane from Sydney the next day, a bigger plane to to cater for us. And it's mm. only because we use it, you know, we, we say please and thank you. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, again, as I say, it sounds a little bit bizarre and surreal. But if, if I was to write my job description, you'd see a lot of words, but it wouldn't describe uh, the true function. But that also works with a huge amount of our, our heartbeat, our, our backroom staff. The people that if I said list list our management, um, you'd list some people um, first and foremost because they are at the forefront, but really around contribution, if you were to go further down into the blurry words of, of, of names, uh, the people you don't know and don't really see, they're possibly the ones that contribute um, the most. Yeah, I had a guest on the pod recently and he, he doesn't use the word player-centred. He uses the words people centered because it's not just the players it's not just the coaches but it's it's everyone in that in that group in that community so yeah, yeah. That's a, that's and as you know point. andy one, one of our um one of the modules in the crusaders coaching leadership program is person first player second yeah right at the end of the day 100%. we're all just people yeah yeah well let's jump into that um Kyla, for, for coaches listening can you give a bit of insight in into the 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 crusaders coaching leadership program how how was it created? Um, how was it decided? What material to, was to be covered, and you know how how can coaches engage in it? Yeah, for sure. So effectively, you know the the way this program came about is that um, pre COVID. Crusaders had the Crusaders International Academy and coaches from around the world used to come to Christchurch mm-hmm. and spend two weeks with the uh, with the team at Rugby Park and uh, be able to learn from them. Uh, obviously, their their um, history is so um, so well well known that people wanted to learn how can how is it possible that you do what you do so consistently over time. And so then COVID hit and obviously they couldn't keep running it uh, once the borders were closed. And so they decided to run it online. So they ran it on Zoom a, a, a few times, like three mm-hmm. times they ran it on Zoom. Um, and it was two weeks, and it was three hours every single day. And people loved it, of course, because you get the opportunity to interact with Crusaders. Um, and, you know, it's really hard to scale. It's logistically challenging. They have to organize not only for the participants, you have to be awake at that time and online at that time, but also on the Crusader side, you got to organize everybody and make sure everybody's lined up to do it at the right time. 
Um, and so when we had the opportunity to partner with them, we said, what could we do that could create the same immersive experience, the same sense of belonging, the same feel of connecting to the crusaders, to the legends, but that also is a little more scalable and allows us to reach further and make it more accessible for more people. And so what we ended up doing was we worked with an award-winning filmmaker, Slavko Martinov and uh, his business partner, Mike Kelland, um, to capture uh, four of really just the Crusaders legends. And there's so many legends that have come out of the Crusaders, but um, Samuel Whitelock, Robbie Dean, Scott Robertson, and um, Kieran Reed. And we captured them in a way that even if we were trying to do a live Zoom thing, we couldn't, we wouldn't be able to capture them, right? So because we worked with these people who were so skilled at what they were doing, so we we got this beautiful video content. But the thing is, we've all experienced these online courses that are just videos and you just do them on your own and you sort of do the first video and then you wander away to check the pantry and you know you don't go back to it. Mm. And so really the thing that we did with the program that makes it so special is we focused on the thing that, that the Crusaders focus on, which is the community, the people who are on the program. How do we create a sense of community amongst the people who are participating? How do we connect them with each other? And so the way it works is we've got these modules and we drop the modules at specific times and you can watch the module whenever you want, but the real value of the program is when you're talking to everyone else who's on the program in Slack. And so, you know, it's it, the, the way that I describe it is, Imagine if you're like a massive like Mandalorian fan and you're connected to an online group of super Mandalorian fans around the world, you can watch the latest episode whenever you wake up in Sydney or in New Zealand or in Zimbabwe. It doesn't really matter, but you want to watch it as soon as you can, because that's what all your people are talking about it online. Mm -hmm. It's the same with the with the Crusaders Coaching Leadership Program. We drop the modules at specific times. It's asynchronous. You can consume it whenever you want, but it's time sensitive because that's when all your fellow participants are talking about it. And what we found, like I said, is just it's really the results have really been extraordinary. And, you know, the the I'll, I'll just tell you one story from the first program that we ran. It's a two week program. The first program that we ran, uh, there was a, a guy on the program who about a week and a half in, he said, you know, um, I just have to share. He wrote this on Slack. He was like, I just have to share something that just happened. I had a player on my team who at the end at the end of last season, he kind of dropped off. Uh, wasn't coming to any of the postseason activities, wasn't engaged, wasn't answering any of the emails or whatever. He says, because of this program, I was inspired to reach out to him to find out what was going on, came to learn that the kid had gotten done for drink driving. I say kid, he's coaching 18 to 20 year old. Mm -hmm. He had gotten done for drink driving, obviously ashamed, let the team down, didn't live up to the team values. Right. And so he just kind of withdrew. He says, because of what I learned on this program, I was able to encourage this kid to come back and share what had happened with the rest of the team. He says, not only is this kid now fully back on board and more engaged than ever for next season, but the team now has a new culture of honesty and vulnerability mm. that they absolutely did not awesome. have before. And yeah. I'm telling you, I was reading this, I'm sobbing reading it because I'm thinking <laughs> of this kid and I'm going, yeah. this is a fork in the road moment for this kid. Yeah, you know, He was yeah. on a path that is, the path he was on is he never goes back. He just never goes, he quits rugby and people say, why don't you play rugby anymore? And he makes up a story and his story is, I don't play because I didn't like the coach or, you know, I was too good for them and they didn't appreciate how awesome I was or whatever. But what actually happened was he stumbled as we all do, imperfect meat sack stumbling through life. He screwed up. He got held accountable for it. He got seen for who he is as this imperfect human welcomed back into the fold. And now he's got this whole pathway with rugby ahead of him. And that's why we get out of bed every morning. That's why we do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And it kind of, it leads me a bit to my next question actually for, for Fletch and 
The other day, I, I follow a um, a Twitter handle called the Daily Stoic. It's a guy called Ryan Holiday. He's an awesome author, and he's he's kind of modernized uh, Stoicism and Stoic philosophy. And um, he he puts out a quote every day on on Twitter. And one he put out was um, the best things in life are byproducts of doing the right things. And when when I when I read that, I'm like, I'm in the middle of prepping for this this interview, and it, it made me think of the Crusaders and and you know, it made me think of, you know, especially what are the right things in 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 your, you know, what you're seeing, Fletch. And you know, I think a lot of these right things don't cost any money, so every coach can implement them in, in their environment. So, so what would you what would you say to that, Fletch, in terms of the right things in inverted commas? That's fascinating, isn't it? And and uh, you know, the first thing I. I'd concentrate on is the right things. And, you know, yeah. our right things aren't necessarily everybody's right things. Yeah. And we don't always do the right thing. That needs to be the other thing that uh, we put out there. You know, often often we'll, we've got uh, some true aspiration and, and building towards those goals. We may get it subtly wrong, but one of the, one of the things I talked about moments here before, one of the things that we really work hard on is understanding our moments and, and understanding that if you don't win a moment, that's okay, but try really hard not to lose consecutive moments. Mm. And sometimes that's emotion and, you know, our terminology, body language, all of those things that we do in our teams where as much as uh, we might supposedly say it, but our body language actually says something quite different. Then there's that sort of murk and, and mess, which tends to, uh, impact on more of the group than we understand as whatever role we have. But actually, when you just said it, it suddenly made me think um, how often we focus on outcomes. Mm. And I think that's a big thing that we do with our, our teams and coaching roles. We get really hung up on the outcome, mm -hmm. but we forget about educating the process. Mm. And we feel that because we don't achieve an outcome in anything, and this can be anything in life, uh, you know, we try and or, or we try and convince ourselves that the complete process is wrong. But I think the 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 magical um, people who who are able to enhance performance, you know, whether you're you're a leader, whether you're the boss, whether you're the coach, whether you're the participant, whether you're the the newest player in. But if you can understand your process and what builds towards. Um, achieving the outcome, then when you've got the ability to break down that process and and, and basically enhance the micro components of it, uh, then you've got that true ability to empower and make people grow uh, or make groups grow. And, and that can be down to the art of conversation or it can be down to, you know, suddenly a pass is, is going high when I'm passing right to left, but it's purely where I'm finishing my hands. So rather than try and, do repetition of being average and expecting to be great um, by not, um, and you know, enhancing the process. Uh, we actually break down that micro and, and we just coach the micro. And again, mm -hmm. you know, that that um, the best things at life are the byproducts of doing the right things. It's probably the best things in life are because we understand it in micro form. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's it's as I say in any realm um, that we have with with groups or even with ourselves understand what you want to achieve but then really define and understand how you're going to achieve it i, I made, made a couple of just wee thoughts there around the difference between aspiration and inspiration you know mm -hmm. and the fact that often often will provide an outcome um 
almost like an inspirational component because of the fact that we'll make something glossy and we'll tell everybody how glossy it is uh, and you'll try to inspire them to achieve the outcome. But actually, if you define the process, you'll get that aspiration. People will understand it. They'll feel empowered. They'll feel that ability to achieve and mm. quite often uh, they'll succeed above the outcome. And I think that's what we see uh, every day at the Crusaders is the fact that we've got a group that arrives uh, well, they don't necessarily arrive. They want to be their best from the moment they they wake up. Mm. Um, and and yeah, I'll, 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 I will divert to that quickly. The ma pangal ma feral um, pangal being uh, the the colour of of um, almost the the uh, limit limitless uh, capacity of potential, um, mm. and then uh, the red being the leadership. And we talk about the fact that every day with our eyes closed, when we're asleep, we're in the black. So we've got this infinite potential to achieve. So when we're opening our eyes, we're suddenly in this world of, of infinite potential. So what are we going to do? And uh, if we've got this ability to aspire and inspire, then, you know, what can you achieve? How exciting is that? So every day, as I say, it, it's a little bit um, fluffy, but, uh, you know, some Joe Moody wouldn't like me to be talking this fluffy, but, um, you know, it, it's basically how we operate. And uh, it's a true ingredient in our understanding towards success. Yeah. Well, I, it, when, when you were talking about that, when you were talking about outcomes um, and processes, I was thinking about, the, the game you guys just had on the weekend and when you didn't get the outcome that you wanted, like for, for me as a player and as a coach, uh, I'm one of those ones that has a hard time with losing. And, uh, you know, often it can send you into a bit of a mist, into a bit of a, a bit of darkness. What, what are those processes that you, you take place uh, as a group when the Crusaders, which they don't lose very often, but when they mm. don't get the outcome, what are maybe some processes that, coaches could learn from from you guys well that's a great question actually because of the fact that sometimes we get really hung up on consequence and mm. and so therefore we're, the win loss is the consequence that we often get focused on um but then suddenly we start to coach to consequence and then it's drop pass versus catch pa court pass it's mm. missed tackle versus made tackle and all of a sudden we get hung up on these statistics and we're coaching consequence and people become uh, really concerned about consequence. So what do you do? You you back off. Uh, you actually start to withdraw. You don't perform. You you play safe. Whereas um, for us, we know we're in a competition that if we're not on, uh, all of these other teams are, are more than capable. And and we yeah, have immense respect for all of the all of the teams. It was a great example. We talked about the fact that we knew the Drua were going to uh, be a team that we would have to try and. Uh, be in front at the 80th minute to uh, mm. be successful and if it took until the 80th to get in front we were okay with that mm. and of course you know when Ferg knocked over those two points and suddenly we were two points in front and I made the call through one minute uh, uh, one minute remaining so we were 79 minutes would actually just about succeeded mm. but then we just didn't get a couple of other moments right uh, that it, suddenly it became about the score and we lost but then if you reflected as a true coach would on the fact that we looked at all of our orientation from um, preparation pre-departure to arrive over in Fiji to put ourselves in a position to win the game, and we were. So therefore, we weren't that brutal on ourselves. We just had mm -hmm. to look at parts of our game that we didn't get right. And, uh, you know, our player, player, playing group and our coaching staff um, are so experienced that, uh, you know, they, they've 
taking components of the game um, that we didn't achieve very well. And a lot of that was, you know, our kicking rewards, our kicking outcomes um, weren't there. So again, you unpack back to uh, the source of kick, the type of kick, the you know, the the roles within kick. So mm. again, it gets quite micro, but it's an easy thing for us just to look through because of the fact that it's small parts. It's not kind of global parts that we look to address. So. Hi coaches. In January, I had the opportunity to go on the Crusaders Coaching Leadership Program. And let me tell you, it was awesome. The videos from Robbie Deans, Razor Robertson, Kieran Reed, and Sam Whitelock were like binging your favorite Netflix show. And the other coaches were amazing as well. There are 127 of us from 15 different countries. And the best part is, it's all online, so you can work it around your busy schedule. Highly recommend this course if you get the chance. Check it out at crusaderscoaching.com. Now back to the show. All right, Kyla, back to back to you. Um, during the coaching leadership program, you hosted a number of one-on-one chats with with people like Razor and and Robbie Deans. Kind of, kind of watching them, I was like, this is this is essentially what I do uh, in the podcast. So I was I was enjoying uh, being uh, an audience member uh, as opposed to a host. So um, and you know, every every podcast I do, I get I get something out of it, no matter who the coach is or or whether they're high profile or not. But you you had a couple of high profile leaders there what what were some of the big leadership takeaways that you got from from those experiences oh look every time i get to talk to any of them really any of the four razor robbie kieran samuel i take away so much and it's it, I, it always makes me laugh a little bit because, you know, they're talking about rugby, but I always feel like they're talking straight to me and like my own leadership. So like, I'll give you an example. It's not the one you asked about, but Samuel, uh, you know, there's a point in one of the, one of the um, videos where he talks about the hardest thing as a captain is learning when to be quiet. Mm. And I always feel like he's talking That's directly why I was to never me. Captain. I guess I've talked so much. Um, and so, you know, I just these these things that are like, yeah, that that's absolutely true in in my leadership and my business, right? I have to I have to be really mindful of when I create the space for other people to step up. Mm. Robbie um talks about the um the fact that um a bad idea committed to is better than a good idea not committed yeah, I love to. That one. That was, oh my gosh, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. And this thing of like, okay, well, we have to take action because if we don't take action, that's a decision. That's a decision that lets us down. Um, I feel, you know, when I talk to, when I talk to Robbie and Razor, one of the things, and, and on those Ask Me Anything sessions that we run in the program, one of the things that is so, so great about them is how generous they both are right? They're both so generous. And Razor talks about his influences and he's so relentlessly curious about himself and about others and about what he can learn and how he can grow and improve. He is so all in. He's so all in, like it's just beautiful. And same like Robbie, you know, Robbie participates in this program because he cares so deeply about, about, um, not spreading the words. It sounds so, you know biblical. That's not what I'm trying yeah. to say. But he, he he cares so deeply about elevating the game for everyone. Mm. And it, one of the questions we get a lot is why would the Crusaders be willing to share this information? Right? Is isn't this their kind of secret sauce? And you know the the um, 
Colin and Razor and 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 them talk about how you know Wayne Smithy used to say. Yeah, I was just about to say Wayne Smith. Yeah, yeah, he Smithy used to say, "Look, if you know if if you're performing at this level, you want to bring everybody up to the level that you're at, so that it forces you to keep learning and growing, right? And if you if your hope is I'm gonna I get to stay at my level and hope everyone else is gonna stay lesser than I am, then they're gonna surpass you and you're gonna end up losing. So it forces them to learn and grow. But the other thing is that, you know, if we love the game, then having a world where rugby coaches understand how to connect with their players as people and how to bring out the best in them, that's going to make the game better for everybody. That's going to uplift the whole sport globally. And that's really what we're after. Um, And so I see that generosity coming from Robbie, coming from Razor when we do those Ask Me Anythings. And, you know, you know, you submit, you submitted questions for them and anyone can submit questions and, um, and they're, they'll they'll just answer. They just take them on the fly. They've got a tough ask because they've got, you know, hundreds of people (laughs) asking their questions all at once. And they, they just, you know, they're so open in how they share. It's really, it's really special. That's a, that's a good message for coaches there too. Like I've found, I, I'm always blown away by the generosity of coaches to come onto my podcast. Um, you know, I, I had Wayne Smith on for my hundredth episode, and you know, I know he's probably not someone who uh, who wants awards or anything. But if that guy doesn't get into the World Rugby Coaching Hall of Fame pretty soon, I don't know what's going on. Um, but he 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 was magnificent, and and every coach, like I said, I get something from them, and. All you have to do is ask, and we've got so many opportunities to do that, whether it be LinkedIn or Twitter or, or whatever. So there really is no excuse anymore as a coach to say, I'm kind of stuck. I can't develop. No one's offering courses. No one's uh, you know, running anything in my local town. It's well, The opportunities are there, and the evidence is pretty clear that coaches love talking about what they do, and they're, they're not afraid to share. Yeah. You know, and we see this on the program as well. Like the sharing amongst coach participants Mm. is just extraordinary. People Mm. will share their playbooks. They share their, their tactics. They share their techniques, their rituals, like everything. And it's just, you know, we all learn from each other. And one of our core principles with the program is that the purpose of it is not to copy paste the Crusaders Mm -hmm. way onto other teams. The purpose of it is to share the Crusaders way of thinking and, and approaching it so that you can create your own way of showing up with your teams, right? So um, so having all of those um, influences and all of that input from the other participants just feeds into the creative process for every coach to be able to adapt it to their own team. Yeah, awesome. All right, back to, back to Fletch. Uh, the Crusaders coaches and managers, you talked extensively about this actually on, on Slack mainly, was uh, the use of VARC learning styles model. Uh, especially at the senior level. Um, I don't think it happens at the academy level, but definitely at the senior level. Um, I, I, I'm a teacher, so when I saw VARC, I, I was very curious about how it was implemented because I know it does come with some critique as well as uh, in terms of its efficacy. Um, can, can you discuss a little bit about, well, firstly, what is VARC and um, how is it implemented uh, as well as maybe some cautions to coaches uh, looking to use some a model like this? Yeah, interesting one. It's not not so much VARC. I know that on our Slack that uh, VARC was referred to. And of course, right. VARC is a learning style, as we all know, the visual, audio, audio, audible, uh, audi- uh, the reader-writer and the kinesthetic. So actually understanding um, modes of learning. But probably the, the reference that we were making is around communication styles. And we use the dotting 
Um, right. is oh, look at this. Element. This is why I run the pod. I, I, I missed it in the course, and now, and, now I'm getting And we're it. learning off each other yeah, as we perfect. do. So, um, uh, and, and really it's around a communication style. And of course, there's so many elements. Those in education or in business would have um, potentially gone to the human brain dominance index as a, a brain quadrant dominance. And, mm. uh, the, you know, the, the dots are similar. And there's, you know, a, a woman, Alison Mooney, talks about four. Um, personality P's, you know, the playful, the the uh, the powerful, the precise, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So with us, it was the dots. And I believe that this made a massive difference to Razor uh, in particular, because as Kyla said, he's got this energy to him. He's got this um, kind of randomness that uh, when he comes into the room, uh, it's like a tornado. Um, <laughs> there's huge energy. You get sucked in um, towards the middle of it, but also on the outside, there's quite a bit of damage. So, and I'm meaning that in the nicest possible way. Sure. Um, but that's what that's what uh, the tornado personality or the purple mm. dot uh, does. They are huge ideas people. They are constantly uh, referencing towards ideas, and because they get so excited about an idea, they suddenly get a new idea. Mm. But the challenges for a purple dot is they're 75% completers. So they're yeah. someone that will start something and then get lost. And then while they're off on this journey, they forget what's behind them type thing. So we've got what Love we call it. purple dots who are who are that type of person. We've got mm. a red dot. And a red dot is a, a logical, um, if it makes sense, why, why waste time fluffing around trying to mm. get more sense to it? Let's just get on and do it. And of course, Sam Whitelock and a lot of our sort of rural-based uh, people, I guess, mm. or, or orientated people are probably a little bit more red dot. They don't yeah. want to waste time because to achieve, we can just get on and do it because it makes sense. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a moment. But uh, a yellow dot is a precise person. And we've got lots of precise people. If you look, uh, you know, those that, if you could see Kyla's um, books on her bookshelf are beautifully ordered. Uh, the the lines are straight. There's great balance to it. They are precise people. They are people that enjoy detail, uh, and for them, um, they seek detail. So they they enjoy a list. Uh, they enjoy when they're um, leading. They'll they'll provide a lot of detail, which which is great. And then the blue dots are the the, the really caring people. The people that listen for language. They are the people that walk into mm -hmm. the room and they seek the emotive quotient of it they they want to feel love they they uh feel authentic care they're the ones that um when they're not quite right just a hand on the shoulder that physical touch is just something that just just empowers them again so mm. we've all got splashings of these um communication styles but what uh was was um our early days was before we looked at it um, we had this perception that everybody was like us. So we talk a little a lot about the me we. You would have you'd have seen yeah. that come across. Mm -hmm. And and it was that understanding of me before we can truly understand we. Whereas what we were tending to do was believing that we was the same as me. So, you know, I'll, I'll take Razor as that example in the fact that he felt that everybody was saw the world like him and operated. Mm -hmm. So it was okay just to kind of be that whirlwind and carry on through without looking back. And what we uh, explored, a, 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 a man, Alan Bunting, who was up, based up in the Waikato, had came down and just pretty much took a session with us. And he said, 
what I want you to do is when I talk about this, if you think it's you, put down one tick. If you really think it's you, put down two ticks. And I'm going to now talk about um, yellow dots. So if you might have ended up with 60 ticks and as a yellow, and then he went through the red, and you might end up with 20 ticks in red and mm. yeah, whatever. But suddenly you had this uh, orientation of how you your communication style, the bias it may be, and the understanding. So what it did was rather than say, this is truly what you are, it really meant that we actually had to look at how we communicate. Mm. And when when Ray realized that actually he had some outstanding ideas and energy, but he needed someone else to give it some structure and he needed mm. uh, you know other other elements. He needed to take time to connect with the Pacific Island boys. So a lot of them are, are the blue dots. Mm. who need that little bit of love, that care, that that mm. time attention to emotion. And suddenly we got this ability to understand right across our group that that we've got this beautiful rainbow of, of connection. And it's something that in the last sort of uh, six years that I've been involved is, is everybody that comes in, we don't uh, label them with anything, but what we do is we take true time to understand who they are um, to their core. So mm. it means that when they're in, they, again, we talk about that, that authentic care. They, they truly feel connected to the environment because the environment's taken time to truly connect. Yeah. So it's something that the VARC learning style for us, I'll refer back to that, alongside our ability to communicate, the VARC needs to be splashed across because of the fact that um, we've probably got more kinesthetic learners. Mm. And if you're a yellow dot, and uh, you're not a kinesthetic learner, but you're a visual, you'll put up lists, pictures, everything like that. Whereas the kinesthetic learner, that doesn't make sense to them. They want to get out and go, and go through the process. They need mm. to take action before they cement the learning. So you can still have your detail in your kinesthetic learning. So it's trying to get that balance of, of all of the communication styles and the kinesthetic Oh, sorry, in the VAC components, so your educational styles. Yeah. And that's, I guess, the art of education. You yeah, know, that's something 100%. we do with our families. That's something we do with our businesses. That happens at schools every day. You know, we're in an educational environment where rugby is our mm. curriculum. So, uh, you know, it, it's a fascinating blend. But if we truly believe that we stand out the front and, and um, coach by dominating, then suddenly we're, we're the coach, we're not their leader. Um, we're, we're showing we're being a leader we're not showing leadership all of those sort of things that are quite um, different yeah and I, I can imagine um, for for a young man to find out something this would be like putting some pieces together and some real clarity and understanding on oh this is why I do that and I think that would be hugely helpful in terms of personal growth I know if I knew about it uh, when in my early 20s uh, you know you, you'd be able to tap into a few things and and get helping others a couple of great examples um one of our halfbacks was a yellow dot and for three weeks he was being told just bluntly by a red dot uh you know the red character type that mm. he was playing poorly and mm. that the red dot thought that Crushing. was telling the yellow dot everything they needed to know mm. and after the in the third week we talked about the fact that hold on this guy here needs detail mm. um so the coaches then went oh okay and they gave this person five pieces of detail that they needed to do to improve their game. Two weeks later, he was the form halfback. Awesome. And you think, well, whose whose issue was that in performance? Was it the 
the the learner who was it the educator and once we got that balance mm. right suddenly we had high performance yeah so again it's you know sam whitelock is the most incredible human for a start mm. um but it's because of you know in his mind let's just get on but when he is ready to go right let's go he'll turn around and scope the room for if he knows that there's a blue dot there he'll actually go in and check mate are you okay put his hand on his mm. shoulder for red dots, they don't like physical touch. But for Sam, he reaches out, touches the shoulder because he knows that that's what is needed to empower that person. Yeah, and awesome. man alive, I couldn't, when you watch, you know, as I'm allowed to do from my sort of, uh, my satellite position, when you watch people orientating in our group like that, you just go, wow, we, that is what has made us special or is a key component of mm. what makes us special. It's a, we talked about um, magic fairy dust there before coming as small particles. Mm. Well, that's a, that's a small particle of of a massive function. Awesome, awesome. All right, I'll I'll give the last question to Kyla before we wrap it up with my usual final four questions. And I've got a sneaking suspicion that this will be Kyla's favorite question. Um, du- during the course, uh, you mentioned on the Slack uh, a variety of books and resources. Um, around leadership and uh, some non-leadership ones as well. Um, what what would be your top three books on leadership uh, that you'd recommend to coaches and and why? Oh, um, can I? <laughs> I love books so much. If might you, have to if, be a separate episode. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> if your uh, listeners could see, uh, you'd you'd be able to see what uh, what Fletch and, and Andy can see, which is my giant bookshelves behind me. Um, so I'm I'm gonna recommend books that are a little bit, a little bit left field here. Love it. Um, so to, you know, totally unrelated to coaching, um, but books that have been really foundational for me for my worldview and for kind of how I approach things. So the first one is a book called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, and it's a book that these are these are basically books about how we understand ourselves, each other, and the world better. And, you know, to Fletch's point about dotting, the thing that makes dotting so successful for the Crusaders is that it helps the folks there understand themselves and each other and the world better. And then when we understand ourselves and each other and the world better, we can perform better. Mm -hmm. So the four agreements for me, uh, a huge book about understanding uh, myself and how I can show up in the most powerful possible way. Um, Another book that I would recommend, you know, I uh, a lot of my work is working with Dr. Brene Brown uh, and her Dare to Lead curriculum. And so that book, Dare to Lead, is just a spectacular one for any leader and in any context. So any any and the way that that Brene defines leaders is um, sorry if you can hear the dog barking. That's okay. Uh, The way the way that Brene defines leaders is anyone who sees the potential in people and processes and has the courage to work to bring about that potential. Cool. Right. So so dare to lead. uh, Highly recommend that one. And the final one I'm going to recommend is a really it's a really random one, but it is a book called Illusions by Richard Bach. B-A-C-H. Richard Bach is a, he's he's the one who wrote if you've heard of Jonathan Livingston Seagull that he he wrote mm-hmm. that book mm-hmm. and Illusions you know it has nothing to do with rugby coaching whatsoever but it is just such a delight of a book and such a personal growth journey of a book and there's so much in it and I would recommend it to anyone and everyone. 
Awesome. Great stuff. All right. Well, we always end the podcast with the same final four questions. Uh, I'll start with Kyla first on this one. When you were a kid growing up in New York City, uh, who was one of the idols that you had in uh, sports, physical activity uh, that you looked up to and made you intrigued about what they did? Yeah, I got to say my favorite athlete of all time, Muhammad Ali, for oh, sure. Yeah. And, you know, not only because obviously, you know, physically performance, just extraordinary next level, but also the thoughtfulness, mm-hmm. the insight, the intellect, the heart, everything that he did both in and out of the ring. I just, you know, yeah, Muhammad Ali all the way. Awesome. And Fletch, who was, who was a rural kid growing up in New Zealand, who was someone you looked up to in the rugby pitch? Uh, Buck Shelford probably oh, yeah. is someone that's most right. mind. I was a loose forward, but mm. it was more, I was reflecting on, as Kyla was answering then, you know, he inspired me because of who he was as a leader. He was just culturally calm, you know, he was comfortable in all of that, and man, he could lead. And he led through actions, led through words, but he was just that authentic nature of there was something about him that that just truly sort of inspired you to to lead. Yeah, awesome. All right, and this one I'll give to Shane first. Uh, who's a player now that you like uh, watching them perform? Can be on the Crusaders or in the world rugby uh, setting. Uh, up to you. Yeah, huge bias. Sam Whitelock, uh, <laughs> and it's not. It's more about who he is as a human being, as I've said. You know, like for a guy that. Uh, just has the ability to understand the game under pressure and has got that ability to impose calm response and uh, man alive. He, uh, you know, as I say, it's, it's probably knowing him as a person as well as the player, but uh, I, I, yeah, I've got a lot of man love. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're not alone. <laughs> All right, Kyla, same, same question to you. Now that you're, it's so you're more unfair, Fletch. You have all the rugby people to choose from. Sam is absolutely my choice. But do you know, and, you and it's for the same reason. The, the thing I love about Sam is how thoughtful he is about understanding human behavior. And really, and, and to some really like minor details, but that his level of care and attention that and, and I've we've talked about this. I've talked about this with him. Like he he is so curious about human behavior. To the point of like, for example, he says things like, you know, if I go up to a to a ref, I'm a big guy. And if I'm going up to query a call, I don't want to come across as intimidating because the ref is going to not want to hear what I have to say. So he'll stand side on. He'll spread his legs a little bit to come down a little bit. Like he's so thoughtful about the way that his behavior affects the people around him and, and what those dynamics look like. And I just feel like we all have so much to learn from him. Awesome. All right, and third question, Kyla, uh, who's a high-profile coach that you uh, admire the way they lead and uh, the, the the program that they run? I mean, it's a, it's an unfair question, obviously. <laughs> of course, I'm, you know, I already Ra- know Razor, the and, <laughs> Razor and Robbie, for sure, yeah. uh, just because I get to work with them so closely and see see them, their their heart and their care and their passion and skill up, up close. I do have to give a shout out, though. I, I know you said high profile, but my boxing coach, when I was boxing competitively, Dave Marks, uh, he was like a second father to me. And he mm. taught me so awesome. much about life and about how to show up and how to not just how to box, but how to be gracious as an athlete um, and how to um, uh, how to how to, you know, put my ego aside. Uh, and so, Coach Marks, this one's for you, man. Awesome. No, that's fine. 
And Fletch, you can't say Robbie or Razor for the third question. <laughs> no, who, well, who you got? Fascinatingly, they don't. They wouldn't be in my top two, but uh, mm. that's how many others awesome. are, are about, I guess. Um, uh, like again, I've I've got utmost respect for every coach because of the fact that they're in it. They're in it for a reason mm. and a purpose, and and they work hard at it. It's. Uh, you, you mentioned before, I'm level four um, world rugby coach, but also I've, I'm a world coach educator as well. So I have a lot of interaction with coaches. So mm. I look at the the actual coaching heartbeat component. So I'm going to do a big shout out to Dale McLeod, who is currently Moana Pacifica assistant coach oh, involved nice. with the Tongan national team. And the reason I do that is uh, Dale has come through the, the Canterbury system and was an outstanding coach but at times we tend to let our biases get in the way and I don't think he was recognized for how good he was mm. and what I admire about him is he is just true to himself he's got on and he's an outstanding coach because he loves people and he loves making a difference and I know that's what we all do and uh, as we build our awareness through things like the CCLP and podcasts like this and you know, getting to understand ourselves better and, and others uh, will all be better. But uh, shout out to Dale. Awesome. That's uh, a great way to wrap things up. I usually go with uh, the fourth question, someone in the grassroots, but both yours and Kyla's uh, answers were, were perfect there. Um, oh, can I, sorry, go. Andy, can yes. I, can I? So we had, we had uh, someone on our, on our program, uh, the program. Question four, grassroots. Question four, grassroots. So this, this young lad, Oh, far out. I got to look up his name. This young lad, he's in high school and he joined our, our Crusaders coaching leadership program. He coaches the, the girls lacrosse team at his high school and he applied for a scholarship with us. And we had a 15 minute, I had a, I had the good fortune of having a 15 minute call with him to find out more about his story when he was applying for the scholarship. And I said, how did you end up, you know, he was a senior in high school. How do you end up coaching the girls lacrosse team? And he said that, you know, they had someone, one of the teachers was assigned to it. The teacher didn't really care about lacrosse. They weren't doing that good of a job. And he thought I could do a better job. And he and his mate went and they pitched to the head of department to allow them to coach the team. He starts coaching the team. He brings on a a student a year younger than him to be his successor to make sure he's got succession planning in place. So he's my favorite up and coming coach for sure. All right. Awesome. What a great story. All right. That's a great way to finish. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, this episode. Uh, it's the first time I've had two guests on and um, I couldn't couldn't be more happy. My, my brain's buzzing right now. I think uh, I've got, got some huge takeaways uh, from, from both of you and no doubt listeners have too. So Kyla and Fletch, want to really thank you for giving up your time for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. You can also follow us via Twitter at RugbyCoachesCNR or via the website therugbycoachescorner.com. Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.